G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Another Sunday sit-down episode with J-Lo, a very delayed Sunday sit-down episode with J-Lo. I had some technical difficulties with the podcast last week, so uh, we did record an episode on Tuesday that we alluded to a few times throughout the pod, but never actually hit the airwaves, but good news, they're all sorted now. Another podcast covering plenty of AFL fantasy stuff and plenty of NBA stuff is on the way. We did talk in this one about the West Coast Frio Scratchy, which we got to watch, which was very interesting from a fantasy perspective. We talk about our takeaways, talk a bit about some draft stuff as well. Don't do fantasy draft a ton on the pod. Then dive into the Ruck 2 slot and a lot of issues around there. Some low ownership blokes, interrupted pre-seasons. We cover everything on the Sports by Fry pod this week. And then, obviously, it wouldn't be a sit-down with JLo if we didn't talk some basketballs. We did our All-Star draft, pick two teams uh, based on who got named for the All-Star teams. Pretty interesting. I definitely have a fun roster, which is what I was gunning for. DeMarcus Cousins' potential landing spots, triple-doubles, Russell Westbrook, coaches in the hot seat. Again, bumper episode. So without further ado, let's dive right in. We are back. Uh, technical difficulties interrupted last week's sit-down. It was yeah. a delayed Tuesday sit-down, but didn't get to hit the airwaves. So it's been a fortnight since the great man JLo's joined me on a podcast. How are you doing this somewhat gloomy, overcast Sunday Arvo, JL? I'm raring, mate. I'm ready to go. Let's we are uh, rehashing some of the stuff that we actually recorded earlier. Uh, but usually we lead off with basketball. I want this to be a bit of a bumper fantasy episode because we've got about 18 days now. Till the fantasy season kicks off, you getting excited? Well, yeah, it snuck up on me, but uh, yeah, I'm ready to roll. I'm spewing. Last week, you had we had a perfect segue into the AFL, yeah. and obviously lost. So that but I'm raring to I'm raring to go. Well, let's uh, waste no time. Obviously, the last quarter of West Coast and Fremantle was interrupted due to AFL W broadcasting commitments, but we sat down and actually tuned in to every minute of that game, rewatched the last quarter after it got aired. Uh, some big takeaways. I was very impressed with a couple of blokes, mainly uh, some purple characters, but mm. there's a couple of eagles that have jumped into my thinking as well. What did your uh, notes say, the big takeaways from the West Coast Frio scratchy? I think the two big takeaways that, uh, that the captains are still, even though they're getting a bit older of both sides, are playing really well. Fife was unreal in the first half. He stopped at half-time. Um, got put on ice, let some of the younger blokes have a run. But was he looked... Shuey the same, or was he about three-quarter time? Yeah, Shuey was the same as yeah. well. So they both came off at half-time. They both had what felt like about 20 touches. So, um, you know, weren't in my fantasy reckonings. Well, that, they've been lightly in my fantasy reckonings. Mm-hmm. They've taken a big step forward, um, particularly with Fife playing very few forward minutes during that stretch. So that's that's something interesting to look Seemed at. Seemed like it was about an 80-20 split, maybe. I know he started the second half in the goal square, but yeah, he was just running to wherever the footy was and literally extracting it from packs. I like what I look... Uh, I like the look of Frio's young midfield, got to be honest, as a Purple Army fan. Uh, Caleb Sarong and Andy Brayshaw caught my eye. Sarong looks like he's lifted his game up another notch. He's been labelled as Lockie Neal type. I don't think he's the same type of like accumulator, but... He looks like he's going to be a jet. Um, Andy Brayshaw, I reckon, looked pretty good consistently. Played the whole game, obviously, so that's probably why he stands out a bit in my mind. Was playing as a dominant midfielder. He got added to the leadership group, if not this week, the one before. So I think they really view him as a future captain of the club. He went at about 92, 95 last year. He could be someone that surprises everyone a bit and goes closer to like some elite fantasy numbers, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. He was uh, him and uh, Akers, plenty of midfield Yeah, Blakey Akers did look good. Um, so I reckon Brayshaw, if he's going to be in there a whole lot, there's no reason he can't take another 10 or so point jump. Um, that'd be nice. But I, I reckon he's definitely the type of player to do it. We were saying earlier, high tackle kind of guy. Mm. Um, and if you're getting plenty of tackles, you've got chances to go pretty big scores. So I, I reckon Brace is a goer this year. Um, and the other bloke there I mentioned for the uh, purple, Blakey Acres, plenty of wing time. And boy, he was just getting so much easy loose marks. Yeah, same same way Andrew Gaff kind of probably did it on the other side, although West Coast were getting a bit bit pelted. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Blakey Acres looked great and he looked pretty good towards the end of last season so he's sort of uh, sneaky in my uh, 
calculations, particularly in that mid-price, midfield range. Yeah. Uh, Speaking yeah. of uh, your calculations and that mid-price, <laughs> midfield range, Dom Sheed didn't look out of place as uh, West Coast's, I could say, number one midfielder. I think he also played like predominantly most of the game. Yeah. Granted, Tim Kelly was missing, uh, Nick Nat was missing. Were there any other like first-choice midfielders out of that rotation? I can't uh, think it's too many. was out as well. Oh, Yoey, of course. But yeah. I, f- I get a... F- Funny feeling that Yoey's going to spend less time in the middle this year and mm-hmm. probably play up forward a little bit more. I think he's just had some weird seasons over the last two years, some weird injuries and stuff. Had a bit of a setback with his OP, apparently, but right. has taken two steps forward, in the words of Xavier Ellis, so that hopefully it can be three... Uh, sorry, two steps backwards, so it can be three steps forward Got you. over the long term. Yeah, that was, butchered that one. Yeah, but. hard to follow, but... Yeah, I uh, forgot who we were talking about. Who we going Dominic Dushi. Yeah, oh, mate, Dom. Yeah, he was great. He was everywhere. Um, easy to spot out on the telecast as well with the bald head. That was very helpful. Thanks, Dom. Uh, yeah, I, I just love this bloke. I reckon he's, he's sort of hitting that 25-year-old mark that we love. And I reckon Shuey going down, Yo going down a little Redden's bit. Redden's another one probably falling yeah, the wayside. Yeah, he didn't look too great. So I reckon Dom is going to take that big step forward along with uh, the mulleted man, Liam Duggan. He's definitely on my uh, calcu- in my calculations now. I actually went and put him straight into my team after watching him play because oh, yeah. he had a very fantasy-friendly role. I think he's the one to remember with... Um, Kelly and Yo to come back in. I feel like Duggan would be the first one to miss out. We've seen Dom play plenty in the midfield True. over the years, so you think he's the first choice, but Duggan might be the one, even though people like the look of him in the, that scratchy in the middle. I, I feel like he'd be the one to slip out of the midfield. He's priced at 87, and I will admit, he was targeted a lot from those like kick-ins as well. It mm. seemed like he was the first choice grabbing the ball when they took the kick-in, so... A lot of easy plus sixes he accumulated throughout the back line. He probably had half a dozen that I can remember. And then that's not including the centre bounces he was attending. Sure. So there's a chance he pushes up into top six defender calculations, honestly. Definitely. I definitely could see that happening. Another last, Probably the last thing from me, another defender that is probably worth keeping an eye on. Another West Coaster, Alex Witherden. Mm. Sort of first game in the blue and gold. He probably looked, needed to see more from him. Probably did. But the one thing I was interested in is he was taking a lot of kickouts. So um, West Coast tend to share it around a little bit. You've got Bungaher and Brad Shepard will take some, but I've got a feeling that with it, it might be the guy um, that sort of takes a big chunk. So that's just worth watching. He um, was their like designated bloke at Brisbane to take a lot of the kickouts as yeah. well. So definitely someone to keep your eye on. Uh, Hayden Young, another docker, had some like patches, but didn't really showcase his mm. talents, I don't reckon. Couldn't really get in a the game. The ball wasn't up there that Yeah, much. but that's not a huge concern. I still have him in my side and pick him with uh, confidence. Lloyd Meek could be an interesting uh, rookie choice. I'm just going to spitball a couple of names here with uh, a couple of sentences of advice because the fantasy fans need to know about these rookies. That is what I hang my hat on. Mm. Um, I don't reckon he'll outplay Sean Darcy if Sean Darcy's fit, but he's still out for, I think, two to three weeks. So if he's touch and go for mm. round one... Uh, but I, even if he's not named round one, I wouldn't be surprised if Roy Lobb and some of the others shouldered it. But Lloyd Meek could be someone to uh, keep your eye on. This bloke, uh, Tracy, I blanked his first name. I think it's Josh from memory. Ooh, but yeah. he had a couple of like clunk and pack marks and was good on the lead. And he apparently has been training the house down a bit throughout the preseason. Was a rookie pick this year by the Dockers. 170k. He could also be someone, I reckon... Similar to what Max King did last year, might be a real slow burn, like a couple of 40s and 50s. I do wonder if he'll play that many games to bump up and have as much production as Kingy, but keep your eye on him. He's someone I like the looks of. Right, yeah. Um, quickly, let's talk about some AFL fantasy draft stuff. We don't cover a ton of draft on the Sportsby pod. Uh, the first thing I want to touch on is the idea of a keeper league, because I'm about halfway, two thirds through drafting my first ever. Keeper League with some of the other Dream Team Talk riders. Pretty interesting experience, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, and at the moment, I managed to snag McRae and Petrarca in my first couple of picks. Wasn't too unhappy about that, but I want to get your opinion here, because I was really humming and harring over picking Sam Walsh. Sure. With pick, I think it was seven that I had, was my first selection. Uh, who do you think you would prioritise drafting if you were starting a Keeper League team? Because there might be some blokes out there who haven't started a Keeper League team, they're considering it before round one. So what would be a couple of your key pointers and bits of advice? Uh, we, we've we sort of been looking at this as you've drafted over the over the week, I guess. About a week, yeah. But um, 
I think you prioritise, you know, those real high-quality midfielders that are young. Clayton Oliver's the first one that jumps to mind. What is he, 23 years old? Yep. Um, he's been the, one of the better scorers in um, in fantasy for the last two years. Guys like that, young young and dominant in their position. Brody Grundy obviously jumps to mind. Um, Jakey Lloyd's also not too old when I saw yeah. him go off the board. I think he was a pick before me. I was like, oh... Oh, isn't he like 28, 29? But he's 27. Yeah. I think just turned 27. You want at least five good years of really high-level production from your first few, and that's why you could sort of see people going with a Walsh, which who I would have uh, valued pretty highly. Mm. Depends where I was drafting. I wouldn't pick him number one, um, but I would have thought about him long and hard if I had a sort of a five, five to seven draft pick. He ended up slipping, I think, to about pick 10 or 11 yeah. or something, yeah. but... Yeah, like I said, I had number seven. It was very, very tempted to pick Walshy. And then I guess you, you could look at the ruck position. of You know, there's probably the clear two or three top dogs, but I'd be hesitant to take Gorn just given his age. So looking he at He was Riley, number one, first yeah. pick in the draft, for what it's worth. So I can totally... I can understand why I'd go that way, but I'm thinking, you know, if you can get Riley O'Brien or... I th- as, as you did get Timmy English, you can just sort of lock that position and not think about it for the next... 10 years or whatever because I'm assuming you're only playing one ruck spot yeah. on yeah. the field so we've got I think it's 14 blokes on the field um, or maybe a couple more and then 8 in your bench no that sounds right Three def- uh, 4 defenders 5 midfielders a ruck and then 4 more forwards yep. so forward and backline do look a little bit weak for my team mm-hmm. but that's because I jumped on Timmy English in the third round there's a couple of blokes that has been interesting to watch where like the best forwards and best defenders are ranked mm-hmm. I've said to you kind of the way I've approached this is I think Almost more common than the forward position. Mid-forward seems like the second most common position in yeah. fantasy. So a couple of the blokes I drafted, like Petrarca, for example, I'm kind of banking on the idea of A, him playing a lot of midfield and dominating, or B, worst-case scenario, him being like a Dustin Martin, Patrick Dangerfield, oh, I'm trying, trying to think of a couple of others that have done it for years, mm-hmm. still side-bottom this year, but you know what I mean? Like those mid-forward blokes that finishes a top-six forward, or if they're playing pure midfield, they're going to put up 110, no worries. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, particularly with the forward slot this year or the forward positions. Yeah. Um, it's so such a weak crop initially. Um, like if I was picking, I, I don't think I would have picked a forward for the first at least two rounds. Just give, given who else is on the board and the scoring potential, there's no one you're that sure on. Um, that said, I, you could maybe go Dunkley in the hopes that he might get traded or something. Yeah. But you don't want... You, picking Dusty or a Danger who are getting old is, is hard early in a draft. Zorko's high up the ranks as well. Mick oh, Walters. Yeah. yeah. It's not a ton, honestly, when you look at the top ranked forwards. Yeah. Um, transitioning a little bit to single season drafts, because we've done that for a couple of years in a row now. Mm. I want to see if you can spitball. I think... <laughs> When we recorded this on Tuesday, we actually did exactly the same players at each position. Um, might have a bit of a different thinking, but obviously if you're doing a draft just for that season, you want to think about the blokes that are going to score the most total points. Mm. So obviously games played combined with like a high average is what you chase because you want to put dudes there that you can leave, set and forget for lack of a better term. So let's run through each position and talk about who we think will be the total point scorer at each spot. Again, like we did this before, I'm pretty sure they were all the same, but I'm picking Brody Grundy as the Ruckman. You in the same boat still? Yeah, but I could definitely uh, see Maxie Gorn. In fact, I would kind of expect Max Gorn to do it if he played all the games, but I just worry about his um, his body a his little bit. His longevity's not great. For what it's worth, he averaged, this is the adjusted averages, 10 points more than Grundy mm. last year. Grundy but, was down a bit last year. Yeah, Grundy missed... Uh, sorry, Maxi missed a couple as well. Um, all right, forwards. Let's uh, put your thinking cap on. You've got Sidebottom, Dangerfield, Zorko, Dunkley, Dusty. Rowan Marshall's in doubt for round one, so probably not. And then it falls off a bit to the Walters and Langfords and Wingards of the world. So I reckon it's got to be one of those big three if you're picking... Oh, big four, you could kind of say, um, initially. But I'm going to side with Paddy Dangerfield, I think. Pretty encouraging to see what he did playing in Geelong scratchy this week. Looked like his trademark self. I think similar to Fife and Shuey, he only played the first half, but has uh, come into my side since, and I'm pretty confident Dave's just going to have another good year. 
Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Danger's body as always, particularly because he's such an explosive athlete traditionally. Um, you wonder how that holds up mm. past 30, whatever. Um, I'm probably going to go with the Zorkinator, uh, pat- particularly on the back of the fact that a lot of people say that if you crunch the sort of the deep statistics and stuff like that, he is actually the best midfielder in the comp, even though he doesn't have the most disposals. His impact with the ball is right up there. So I could see, argue. I could see him playing heaps of midfield minutes, even though they plan on playing him forward. Um, if things start to go a little bit rocky or a bit weird in the first few weeks for Brizzy, don't look past him just being a lock in that midfield to get him going um, alongside Neely. Uh, so I'm, I'm going with Zorko, but I tell you what, like I'm not, I'm not confident either way. Uh, yeah, right. I, I wouldn't back Sidey, and Dunkley's just a bit of an unknown given Trelaw. So that's probably probably the way, way I'm thinking. At the in Brizzy's uh, intra club against Gold Coast yesterday, I think for what it's worth, Rayner was playing a bit more in the middle. Okay. McClug obviously getting his midfield minutes with Berry and Lions and some of those cats. But yeah, Zorko's someone that on a per game basis has like arguably the highest ceiling mm. in the fantasy Absolutely. world. Max Gollum's probably in the same boat. Yep. Um, some of the defenders are right up there as well. Lockie Whitfield could be in that conversation. Do you reckon he has a chance at outpacing Jake Lloyd for total points? Because I would side with Lloydy. Yeah, I would also side with Lloydy. Uh, yeah, there's a possibility, though, that you feel like Gold Coast are a bit strange this year, given where they're coming off and sort of their last two years have been really like polarising almost. So I, I think there's every chance you get slotted into the midfield plenty of times and he is that sort of player who just can explode for a 190 or a 170 he did that in his comeback game didn't yeah, he and field, had 190 some, in like something like, like that. an injured something yeah, yeah. I, I lose track of it but yeah like I said another bloke that is probably in the conversation for the highest uh, ceiling any chance Rory Laird jumps up there and uh, makes some noise well apparently he played Pure midfield in their scratchy, particularly with Miller going down. So oh, yeah, Rip Wayne Miller. Yeah, so. yeah. But I reckon, yeah, Ruptured actually, what Patella tendon? Yeah, was it? poor bloke. Yeah, Shout out Wayne Miller. Yeah, that is nasty. But I think um, now I actually sort of have kind of forgotten that fact um, that came to light earlier today. So you know what? I might even say Laddie's more likely than Whitfield. I he mind. was one of my first blokes picked because I was like, if he plays in the midfield again, he's gonna. Dominate. Mm. I think he had a, like 100 and I want to say 29 or something. And that was in the shortened quarters last year. Yeah. Like I remember he had a bunter in yeah. one of the weeks. Um, so yeah, he's a bloke that hasn't moved from my team. Here we go. This is the interesting one because we have similar forwards, rucks and defenders. But when we come down to the midfield, there's a lot of opportunity for someone to step up and be the top point scorer. So who jumps to mind instantly for you? If you can, we'll probably talk about four or five of the top names. But if you had to pick one bloke, drawing a name out of a hat, who are you picking as the uh, top point scorer? Mr. Consistent, Clayton Oliver. Yeah, I'm sure okay. you'll probably pick similar. He just plays every game, um, gets 40 touches a game, even though there's a lot of handballs in there. There's plenty of times that he's going to have more kicks than handballs. And, and yeah, tackles too. 20 kicks, you're laughing. Um, and he does. He has plenty of tackles. He's hard, he's hard at it. And he plays that inside ball for a pretty uh, dodgy Demons team with a good Ruckman. Um, so it all sort of points towards Claytos. Um, Tommy Mitchell is another one that jumps to mind, obviously, um, even though he's been down last year. I, I think, think his main can't... competition would probably be Lockie Neal. It depends yep. on how... He bounces back from a Brownlow year because he's also like not that old. Yeah, that's everyone's like, oh, it's a bit too much to pay for him. His average is 122, but he could still average 115 and not miss a game. And yeah, it's a good point. Or 116 or something, you know, and be one of the best scorers. So he's one to keep an eye on. Zach Merritt surprisingly had a very good year last year. I did not consider him or have him in my thinking once from memory. Um, I had him, but yeah, always a premium midfielder. So yeah. he's someone to think Love about. You. The Bulldogs rotation's a bit tricky with like mm-hmm. Hunter and I think what they'll do and it looks like from limited uh, research that they're going to play Bont a lot forward this year. Makes sense. Um, but Trelaw didn't play in their latest little scratchy and intra-club and that. Sure. So obviously again his influence will dictate a bit. Matty Crouch someone not to be slept on as yeah, well. Yeah, true. Um, I was contemplating him. This isn't the Keeper League podcast I promise yeah. but I was looking at him with my first pick too. Obviously going to step up with Brad gone. Mm. Um, big opportunity for him to be the biggest scoring midfielder. All right. Uh, sticking with some popularity stuff, I want to uh, invert it and talk about some low ownership 
players. I dropped an article looking at 15 unique blokes, so I'm just going to whiz through, probably not all of them, a chunk of them, and just get your two cents and see if they're in your thinking. We've talked about Caleb Sarong already, but Zach Butters from Port Adelaide is someone who is in less than 5% of teams, but his ownership has slowly been ticking upwards. Played really good in their scratchy against Adelaide, played a lot of midfield time as well. Rosie seems like the bloke that everyone's talking about and jumping on. He's in my team, Rosie, for what it's worth, but there's no reason why, because he's so dynamic in front of goal. Butters couldn't be the one that really benefits from that more midfield time. And like, yeah. Boke's getting older, Rocky's getting older, Ollie Wines has never really shut it down. No. So if there's an injury or two, or someone needs to step up, Butters could be someone now uh, worth a sniff. Yeah, definitely like the Butters call. Like what Port Adelaide's doing over, well, last season and probably going into this one. Um, sounds like Boke's going to play still plenty of midfield time. But yeah, I reckon Butters could definitely be one of those blokes they slot in and yeah, I don't mind it. What's his what's he priced at? Priced at five ninety five, yeah, which is a break good. even a couple of points under eighty. Hmm. So I do wonder how much he can jump up from eighty points. But again, if he has some like real big games early, because yeah. he's had some whoppers in the past, True. I wouldn't be afraid to jump on the bandwagon, especially as a forward. Hmm. Uh, we talked about how scarce some real scorers can be there. Uh, James Harms. What do you thinking on James Harms? Played a lot of midfield time for the D's in their scratchy. Um, priced at four seventy four, so about sixty odd. He's in a couple more teams than Zachy Butters, and he's someone who I've had pretty consistently locked in my squad. And I feel like he's a bit of a low risk starter if he's playing in the midfield. He's tricky because he's only defender status, but I think you know for draft teams he might slide a bit and maybe be an option. But yeah, I think if he played half back last year. Played inside mid the two years before that and went 83 and 92 average. So I expect him to be about 80 plus. Yeah, he's hard, hard nut football. Yeah. He gets in, gets in there. And it's where he plays his best footy is as an inside mid. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon uh, good value pick. Not going to end in your team, but he'll get you maybe 15 more points. So I kind of expect him to go back to that 80. All right, Tommy Stewart. He's an interesting one because when... Uh, at the moment, I've got Lloyd and Laird in my team, but when I was doing a bit of shuffling before, Stewart was someone who I was like, oh, why haven't I picked Tommy Stewart? He had a wicked back half of the year because he broke his collarbone from memory when he was in WA. It might have been against West Coast um, or Frio, but yeah, when he was in the WA hub last year, snapped his collarbone, roared to fantasy form in the second half of 2020, and I think his ownership will keep pointing upwards. He's in about 8% of teams right now, and he's not stupid expensive either. I know that if you're going to pay up for one of those blokes, you want them to be like a lock as a fantasy, uh, what's the word, defender and a top six bloke. Priced at 96 and I reckon could do that quite easily and go even closer to triple figures. Yep, I, I kind of think he's quite appropriately, appropriately priced at the moment. So I'd be looking at Tommy Stewart to sort of go around the 100 mark and be a lock for the year. Um, probably won't make you much money, but there's every nah, chance... There's every chance that he has like a huge season. He's the sort of cat who does it, get plenty of marks and gets off the chain, gets lots of kicks. So I reckon it could be a goer, but it'd be it would wouldn't be a value play. Averaged uh, an adjusted hundred and thirteen from his last five for what it's worth. But yeah, I reckon low hundreds is probably his peak. Yeah, um, low hundreds is what we expect from Andrew Gaff at least. His uh, adjusted average gives him a hundred and eight from last year. Again, another bloke that there's probably not a lot of value in, but he is someone that you can just safely put in your side. He's going to average 105 to 110, play 22 games, and probably end as the top eight midfielder. So you reckon uh, Gaffey's deserves to be more than 6.5% of teams? Yeah, I can understand why, given his price tag. People might be looking for crew with a slightly higher ceiling, but Gaffey's got about the highest floor in AFL Fantasy, which should be considered when you're thinking about putting in some of those premier midfielders it's not just about how high they can go it's about you know it's how call, consistent yeah. they stay so I, I love the gaff call i won't have him to start but he's I, cheaper than the likes of maddie crouch clayton oliver yeah. jack McCray, all those blokes by like you know 15 to 20k but that's useful elsewhere yeah he's got his tackling going a fair bit over the last few seasons as well so yeah uh, i'll love it uh, you know what i'll have a think about it uh, if you can't squeeze him in and you want to save a couple of bucks, you might want to look at Josh Dacos. Now, he's someone that's been slated as a guy who could quite easily take those minutes that Trelaw's left in Collingwood's midfield. I personally don't know if I feel confident 
enough in him dominating compared to what he's priced at. 87 mm. is his break even. But again, another bloke that roared with opportunity fantasy wise, like stormed into, oh, what's the word? Legitimacy. Yeah. Like became a fantasy relevant dude. So if obviously Trelaw's not there, Tommy Phillips has gone from that midfield as well. It's plenty of opportunity. Only in 3% of teams as well, for what it's worth. Yeah, I think it's a. Try not to get caught in that ownership trap that I feel like so many coaches do. Um, I, I must have missed Dacos becoming fantasy relevant at the end of the year because I like when I saw him priced at what eighty seven or whatever. Yeah. I was just like, "Well, what's going on here? Isn't he like a small forward?" So obviously he had a good back end of the year, um, but I probably can't offer too much there. I, I would like you not be so confident um, if, of his role. He's a wait and see for me. I'm a little bit more confident in picking his uh, teammate, Braden Sire, who's mm. about 260 grand cheaper. Hasn't had the same opportunity as Dacos. Obviously, last year, Dacos played 16 of the 17 games. I've got his numbers up now, actually. He went over 70 pretty much in his last six games, but yeah. only one of them was over 80. But again, that's a consistent average in the adjusted 90, 95 range. True. So I don't know how much meat's on the bone there for him to be a value pick. Mm. Sire, on the other hand, he's someone who I definitely have my eye on. Again, I think what's going to hurt him is the fact that he probably won't play a shitload. 53 is his break-even, just over 400 grand. And if he's named round one, I'm going to find it very hard to pass up on him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Sire, even though I'm not a big fan of the Magpies. I just like the way he goes about it, sort of does whatever's asked of him. And there has been some games, particularly against the West Coast, I think, from memory, though, he's just torn us apart. Because um, he's a really good player, just underrated, never had a shot. So, yeah, I definitely like like Sire. And I probably hadn't given him a sniff up until this point, but I might have to go and have a little look uh, after we'll do the it. podcast. Do it, mate. It's yeah. uh, it's well worth it. Um, before we end our little our little fantasy segment, I want to talk about the ruck position because mm-hmm. obviously the R two slot for everyone has kind of been thrown into chaos. I feel like this has been covered a bit in-depth, so we don't have to spend too long here. Obviously, you've gone down a very uh, unique tack with your second ruck slot. Do you reckon it's wiser to, if you've got the money, just lock in someone like O'Brien or Gorn? Because that's who you're doing if you're paying up. Or do you reckon it's time to chase some value? Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to be chasing the value um, in the Drapers or hopefully in Bailey Williams or someone For like that. For what it's worth, Jared Witts is 300 grand cheaper than Maxi Gorn. Yeah. Hasn't yeah. missed a game since 2017. He's the other bloke that I'm like, oh, if you're going to go down, that's somewhere like in the middle that I really like the looks of. Yeah, so that would be the other way I would go. Just someone middle and it would be English or Wits. Wits is uh, pretty consistent over the years. Plenty of hunt, or he's had hundreds before. Yeah. And there's no reason he can't do that because he's got so many hit outs. Um, also plays plenty of games. So. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't mind picking Wits or, or English. I'd be a little bit hesitant to go up to Gorn or Riley O'Brien. Um, but yeah, would definitely go down to to a Draper if he plays. Um, it's really going to be a round one call for that ruck spot, I think. But there are a few ways to go. Like yeah, there's a couple of different directions you can go down, obviously, depending on where you're using your coin elsewhere. I think I've got Riley O'Brien at the moment as my second ruckman behind Grundy. Um, but I think if I'm going down, it's probably Wheats number one and maybe Draper number two. Nankervis uh, has been getting a lot of airtime, but... I can't see him dominating and then someone even cheaper down the Bailey Williams realm, I think, even if Nick Nat is hurt because he's got hamstring soreness at the moment, mm. but he's still in line to play round one. Uh, but even if he doesn't, I don't know if you can trust Bailey Williams as your sole starting ruckman. Yeah, well, you definitely can't, but uh, that's the, the risk we run, us gamers run for our... This is true. Um, right, last fantasy nugget. Interrupted pre-seasons there, uh... Something that fantasy coaches pay close attention to because if blokes don't play in the preseason game, they're like, nah, axe them from your side. So I'm going to reel off a couple of popular names who've had uh, injury issues and ailments throughout the preseason. And I just want you to give me a simple yes or no. If they're named round one, you're picking them. Let's start with the second best defender, Lockie Whitfield. You reckon if he gets up for round one, he's a safe pick? Or you reckon chase somewhere else, even if you go up to Lloyd? Or down to your Liam Duggins of the world. Whitfield would be a safe pick if he's if he's playing round one. Uh, I reckon I back him in to not take the time to sort of adjust for a few rounds or you know find that fitness. I'd back Lockie Whitfield in uh, round one. 
I don't feel as confident. I feel, again, he probably won't play round one at this stage, but who knows? He has a bruised liver, so we don't really know how long that's going to take to recover. But I maybe it's just because last year when I didn't pick him to start and he had like a couple of shitty 50s or 60s, that was like a bit of vindication. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely want to get my eyes on Whitfield first before I pick him. Tom Mitchell, though, I do not feel any qualms in picking. If he doesn't play the second preseason game, or the one preseason game, sorry, for the Hawks, but he's still named round one, I reckon you can justify playing him. Well, that's interesting. That's changed since last week. You yeah. weren't so sure. I, I was, yeah, I think he's a go as well. What made, what made you change your mind? I think I was looking a lot, because he had off-season shoulder surgery, and then I think it's his ankle that's been causing him a bit of grief over the preseason too. But he is a bloke that is just a pure, natural accumulator of the footy. So yeah. talking about high floors, I reckon... He's arguably right up there with a top handful of players when it comes to high floor with like your Claytons and your Gaffs, purely because he's going to get a shitload of the footy. If he's not tackling a ton, that's probably going to hold him down around 100 or high 90s rather than like 110, 115. But yeah, I think he's worth picking in your team if he's named round one. Again, there's no guarantee that's going to happen though, but I feel yeah confident Tom Mitchell, his break even is 108. I reckon even if he dips a little bit, you're not going to lose too much if you start with him. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's not an athlete, and that's that really helps Tommy Mitchell. And he plays inside and around the footy, so he's not going to need to build too much fitness. Does have one of the uh, best home gyms going around, True for that. what it's worth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, shout out to not an athlete, Tom Mitchell. Uh, Taylor Adams, his hamstrings are causing coaches a lot of grief through the preseason. He's named round one. Can you pick him? I wouldn't touch... Taylor Adams normally because he's so injury prone yeah. and he's had in- hamstring injuries for years so nah I'm in the same boat so let's quickly transition to his former teammate Adzi Trelaw who has a sore calf in inverted covers that was weird finger crack on this side then finger crack on the other side um, but I think he will play round one going up against the Pies can you justify picking him though? I think he'll be right I just uh, I wouldn't because I'd want to see how he looks in the Bulldogs midfield. Um, I don't think you have any like body issues or like if he was playing for Collingwood, absolutely let him rip. But um, I just I would I'm inclined to wait on Adzi Trelaw just to see him um, and with see him with all those dogs midfielders. I'm in the same boat because of his body though, not because of I think like we've said maybe on this podcast before or another one I've done. I feel like he's the bloke that's not going to suffer a lot from joining that star-studded midfield, because, again, he's like a 35-touch penciled in. Could be wrong, though. He could have a couple of lackluster performances. But, yeah, he's had a couple of hammy issues in the past. His calf does worry me. I don't know if he will get up for round one. hope he does. It'd be cool to watch him play the pies. But I don't know if I can feel safe picking him, despite having him in my team for a big chunk of the preseason. All right, last one. Patrick Dangerfield. Yes or no? I would say no. Just given his history, there's so many times you've been able to pick Paddy Dangerfield up in your forward line in round six or seven because he's had two fifties in a row, or you know he's played pure forward, uh, full forward, and you know hasn't got up into the midfield and he's put out some really low scores. So I would be waiting on Danger, just given the fact that he historically has a few ups and downs, a bit of a roller coaster with him. He is uh, someone who should probably be in that similar. Um, Lockie Whitfield camp when it comes to like very capable of big scores but also like low yeah. scores as well. Um, again, I've made him or squeezed him into my first forward spot at the moment. Fairly confident that he'll stay there, but there's 20 days, a lot can change in 20 days. Yeah. Let's do some NBA talk. Uh, the All Star reserves were named since we last spoke. Last uh, Tuesday, we actually recorded a podcast talking about who we think could get snubbed, but we weren't too accurate. Uh, instead, a lot of the fringe guys in the East made mm. it with some, I would say, probably more popular picks yeah. in your Bam Adebayo's, Chris Middleton, Trey Young. Trey Young, yeah, all those guys missing out. But that doesn't mean the blokes like Julius Irving and Zach Levine and my boy Nicholas. Julius Irving. Julius Irving, Julius Randle. Yeah. Uh, at least he made a All Star team in the past, was on the right wavelength. But Julius Randle, rather. And my boy uh, Nikola Vucevic all getting picked. Yeah. Before we do, we're going to do an all-star draft. So we're going to draft our all-star teams. Mm-hmm. have to pick starters first. But do you think you would make any tweaks or changes to the all-star game if you were the puppeteer? Uh, as in 
players. Yeah. Uh, I would have had Chris Middleton and Trey Young in there. Who are you taking at out then? the expense of Randall and uh, I would have to look at the list. Levine's in there. He's someone that you could maybe I would have tried to Brown, Tatum, yes. Ben Simmons, Vooch. That's I would have got rid thing. of Ben Simmons. Oh, okay. Yeah, bugger. I wouldn't have. I don't think I had him in my thing before. I don't think we did, nah. But actually, I'll be honest, since watching him play a little bit in the last uh, fortnight, maybe just about the last week or so, a couple of the defensive jobs he's done, mm-hmm. I've been pretty impressed with. Yeah, it's I, worth noting, uh, actually, that he couldn't stop uh, Sexland this evening. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland happily uh, beat the Sixers in OT. But, so you reckon the West team's pretty good? Pretty locked um, in? For what it's worth, Davis was named an All-Star yeah. since has been replaced by Devin Booker. Um, Kevin Durant was an All-Star starter has been replaced by Tatum as a starter, and Sabonis took his reserve spot. Yeah, I would just... Yeah, actually, the West was bang on, I reckon. I think the West was exactly who I would have picked. Yep, it was. I feel pretty confident as well with the West. Just get rid of Devin Booker. You can choose now when it comes draft time. Do you want A, LeBron James, or B, you can pick anyone else, because Durant was the other starter who was Mm going to do the votes. So you can be B, anyone else. You get the first pick. And you can start being that person as your captain, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I might just... Oh, jeez, that's a, that's a hard question. Because obviously, Tatum replacing uh, uh, Kevin Durant as the starter, you don't want to just pick Tatum and have your draft going through him. So do you want the first pick and you can pick anyone else to be the captain? Uh, or do you want to pay, take pick two and just lock in LeBron? I'll lock in LeBron. Okay, good. Because I'm going to take pick number one. And I, I, let's be honest, we're trying to win this, but I'm, I want to create the most fun team possible. Okay. So right. I'm going to start with arguably the most fun player in the league to watch in Nikola Jokic. Yep. I'm going to pick him as my starter. Um, he could go a lot of different ways in the centre position because obviously there's a couple of blokes that have been in MVP conversation at the big man posse. But Jokic, uh, like I said, arguably the most fun player to watch. He's going to throw some wicked passes Shoot a couple threes. Probably won't be uh, getting many stops, but that's okay because the All Star game's not about stops. All right, so so you're on the clock with LeBron and pick number two, and Giannis is going straight. Okay, okay. LeBron and Giannis, two last year's starting captains. So yeah, gonna go with Giannis. Well, that, that front line's just. I'll be quick then because I was I had a hunch Giannis would go. I'm gonna take Steph Curry because again we're all about fun at uh, Team Fry over mm-hmm. here. And pairing Curry with Nikola Jokic would be very interesting. So you're back on the clock. Yeah, I would have picked Curry would have been my other one. Well, with with that said, then I'm going to go for uh, Joel Embiid okay. Um, okay. to match up with Jokic. Obviously, you, there was probably little chance you were going to take Joel. Um, probably not, no. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to pick him just because that's a, an unbelievable front court um, in LeBron, Giannis, Embiid. Arguably, best at each position. This bloke is not known for his humour or his fun, but I think given the front court depth, I now have to get someone who can play a bit of defence yeah. on those boys. So I'm going to pick Kawhi Leonard, the reigning All-Star MVP, for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, slipped to pick six. Blasphemy that Kawhi's still on mm. the board to pick six, but someone has to be. So yeah, I'm locking Kawhi. Nice triple-headed uh, threat I've got there. Curry, Kawhi, and Jokic. Pretty content. Yeah, uh, well, I don't have the funnest team at the moment. They're all a bit serious, so I'm going to uh, warm things up with Luca. Um, bring a bit of razzle dazzle to the. Uh, so you mean Dane? Wasn't he the starter? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm going to pick Luca. Uh, I, I, you know, I probably would have left Dane till last in my picking anyway. So there we go. Luca's Luca's on my team now, mate. So he's he's me a guard for me. Mm, okay, that leaves me in a tricky spot. So who we got left? Kyrie, and Brad Beal, and Jason Tatum. Ah. <sighs> I think I'm going to take Bradley Beal then as my uh, fourth pick. That gives me Curry Beal, Kawhi, and Jokic. Pretty content with that. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Kyrie because it makes sense. Yep. Don't like to have Kyrie in my team, but uh, I was honestly kind of hoping you didn't pick him so I could have a Kyrie, Steph, Brad Beal, triple head at the guard position. That'd oh, be so interesting. You, so you're going to go with uh, Kawhi. Powerful. The four and yeah, try to right. stop Giannis. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, Brad Beal's really good defense on LeBron will yeah. uh, surely get me the win. Yeah, no, I'm going to chop you. Pretty interesting. Here we go. We're getting into the reserves now, though. Uh, technically, I just picked Jason Tatum, so you're up. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, that's quick. Uh, I'm Keep gonna... in mind, you can pick from either the West or the East. Yeah, so I know. it's really open. Sabonis is in there now, along with Devin Booker. So Booker could be in your thinking with this pick, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's going to be my last pick. 
Uh, I'm gonna gonna go for a bloke who can just put the ball bucket the ball in the bucket. James Harden. I think he's probably the best player not starting. Oh, Dame just keeps copping it right now. So Dame. It's probably true though. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, oh well, you know, you could argue it either way. It's a pretty interesting quick tangent. Um, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast the other day, and he was saying, "Are we up to now like the fourth evolution of James Harden? Like there was OKC James Harden, yeah. then there was the start of Houston James Harden, then there was ball dominant. The entire offense slows down and runs through me. Now he might be the best like playmaker. Well, statistically, he's the best playmaker in the league. He's leading the league in dimes, yeah. and he looks again like he's just evolved his game and transitioned to." Feature underrated. Piece, he's underrated. He's an underrated mind, basketball yeah, mind. He needs probably a bit more respect. Nine-time All-Star now, though, so that doesn't happen accidentally. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I'm going to pick the bloke with the most experience on the board. I'm taking Chris Paul as wow. my uh, pick. All-Star Chris Paul is so much fun to watch. He's going to be throwing plenty of lobs up to... Nope, that's right. I don't have many blokes that can go <laughs> up for lobs, but that's all right, because Chris Paul is still very crafty. Yeah, I was going to say Jokic, then I was like... Yeah, no. Kawhi, okay. <laughs> probably not. Well, that's good. I'll combat that with uh, a, a real true point guard in Dame Lillard. Dame, so you've yeah, left Dame. me Dame Lillard and James Harden. I don't know <laughs> how you're going to reel this back. You've got an interesting team. I think I, f- I feel a bit like the the way LeBron has looked over the last few years, picked a more solid team. That's okay. Because yeah. like I said, I'm all about fun. So obviously <laughs> my next pick is going to be Zion Williams. Yeah, okay. Someone needs to catch these alley-oops that I'm apparently now throwing. So, yeah. Zion, uh, and that gives me a little bit of depth in the front court as well now to guard some of those monsters you got down low. I'm going to uh, keep the, the scoring binges going. Probably an underrated player in the league right now, um, and he's leading the West, I'm assuming, still. Actually, I don't know how the Jazz have been going, but I'm going to take Donnie Mitchell. That was, that was a terrible segue. Donnie Mitchell... <laughs> Because um, he can just score in buckets, and I think if the, he gets the all-star green light, he's going to do some special things. He's, he's a dunk machine, too. He so. is, yeah. He would be a nice one to have on the end of some uh, highlight reel plays. Paul George, not known for his uh, highlight reel plays, but he's someone that could quite easily Nothing get more. hot and bury some... Yeah, in the past, I guess yeah, he was, true. Yeah. Um, could bury six or seven threes and a half and uh, make a genuine run at the MVP. So I'm going to pick Paul George as my next bloke. I'm I'm gonna go small again, just because I know that uh, I've got Giannis, LeBron, and Embiid up front. Um, so they they're gonna be logging a lot of minutes up there. I'm gonna go another just elite scorer in Zach Levine because mm-hmm. I think All Star, you're either gonna be hitting threes or dunking, doing massive dunks in transition. That's and true. he's a bloke who I reckon could have 25 points in an All Star game. No worries. Uh, this bloke might get a couple of dunks. Probably won't get a couple of threes, although shout-out hit the second one of the season uh, against Cleveland today, but I'm going to need a bit more defense. I've got Kawhi, feel okay. Zion's probably not getting any stops, though, so I'm going to add Ben Simmons to the mix, just to versatile piece that I can shift around to defend and uh, hopefully get on the end of some jams as well. Not bad. Uh, I'll go... I was hoping you'd leave this bloke, and you're going to be heartbroken, because uh, I'm going to be taking Vucevic, the boot. It's okay. Because uh, I... I out of the two bigs that are kind of left on the board, out of him and Gobert, he can hit threes. Um, and I'm going to roll with that as a tactic. All my bench players are just, they can all hit threes so far. That's a good choice. Uh, there's a lot of symmetry and a lot of uh, chemistry going on with this team. I've <laughs> got team. both the Clippers blokes. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, well known friends, Chris Paul and Zion Williamson. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep the teammates together. I'm picking Jalen Brown as my next pick sure. to go up with uh, Jason Tatum. I'm kind of losing uh, a bit of what position I need help in, <laughs> yeah. but let's be honest, if I've got Jokic and I've got Steph Curry and I've got Kawhi, then it's very versatile to mix pieces around them. There's only a few um, spots left, realistically. Yeah. Um, Down to the last four or five days I think now. we've got, who have we got left? We've got Randall left. Sabonis. Sabonis. Booker. Booker. Rudy Gobert. And Gobert. Yeah. I think that's it. So I'm going to I'm gonna go... Yeah, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I'm going Devin Booker. Ah, oh, damn it! I, was, I, I yeah. let him keep slipping. Yeah, I knew, I knew you would keep him going, but that's okay. So that's far. okay. Uh, yeah, he just offers a little bit more in, in my game plan, <laughs> uh, my run and gun game plan, than the others do. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with uh, D Book, even though I hate the way he goes about it. Hmm. All right, I'm there. now. Oh, I'm gonna take Julius Randall because wow. I feel like. 
Sabonis had probably do a bit more all over, but Randall is a bloke that in the all-star game might stand a chance of getting hot a little bit more than Sabonis. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot separating the two, because uh, I know that Rudy Gobert is probably going last, so I'll, uh, I'll snag Randall. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm glad you left Bro- uh, Sabonis, because he's the You can one. have Brogdon if you want. I'll take Sabonis. And Rudy Gobert can watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take Brogdon over Sabonis. Uh, but no, but I'll take Sabonis... You got Jokic. I think Sabonis is the closest passing big man to Jokic in the league in terms of quality. Yeah, jeez, that was terrible. Um, so I'm going to go with him and leave you the the defensive stalwart. It's okay because now I've got Ben Simmons, Kawhi, and Rudy Gobert. So any of chance fun. of fun is out the window. We're now just going purely for stops. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. I I'm very happy with the way my team's turned out. Yeah, not unhappy. There's a lot of bucket getters. Uh, amongst the mix there, I feel like I got a, a balanced team. But let's be honest, All Star game isn't really about You're balance coming. in your team. But yeah, and Jokic. So like I said, I'm gonna have a lot of fun in this yeah, All Star game yeah. anyway. All right, let's uh, let's talk about some more basketball stuff. Uh, let's touch on Boogie Cousins, who we did give our two cents on earlier in the week when we uh, recorded our defunct podcast. But mm. Boogie's now been bought out by the Houston Rockets. He has not yet found a new home, but there'll be a lot of suitors out there. Who do you reckon, A, should make a run at Boogie Cousins? And then, B, where do you kind of want to see him fit if you could control where he landed? I'm pretty glad this uh, section of last week's podcast is gone with the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It turned into a real Boogie Cousins hate fest. Um, we were hanging a lot of crap on old Boogie. It was a sad trip through Boogie Cousins' career and then realising, oh yeah, he got really depressed. He doesn't have one anymore. It, it actually so. did get really sad. So I'm glad we got rid of that. Shout out to Marcus. Yeah, Demarcus. Uh, I think uh, teams he can help, obviously they have to be in the contending Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, I think he could really help Boston, who just look a little bit thin up front. I don't. Uh, this is me going contractless. I don't have the contracts in front of me and, you know... I feel like all the contenders could do enough to find room for Boogie. Sure. Like a $5 million degree, uh, degree contract for the year. This you is know with, I mean? yeah, without doing any of the shifting necessary for that. But I, I think Boston, he could he would suit really well. The one that jumps out to me, and I would love to see him go there, I think the, the spot that makes the most sense would be Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that seems like probably the toughest contract situation in the league, given the contracts they've taken on. But you never know. They can make it work. Um, but I think if he could just slot into that three-headed monster in Brooklyn, he's just going to provide a bit of that down-low energy, a bit of that down-low presence that they're honestly going to miss. Um, even with um, DeAndre, God, that could be hard, the Ds. Um, in, over there, I think he's past it too. So at least if you can... Put a, depa- a past at DeAndre and a past at DeMarcus together, yeah, they make it. You might get something out one of sort of current half good player. Boogie so. does offer a bit more offensively than DeAndre. Mm. Uh, yeah. Better playmaker, I reckon. Probably similar rim protection, but for what it's worth, I don't know if Brooklyn is a legitimate fit though, because after. James Harden did the presser with the Rockets. Yeah. Boogie was the next one. I can't remember exactly what was said or what happened, but he basically like called out James for quitting on the Rockets. So I don't know how they would go like mending the chemistry and if he would want to team up again with James. Sure. Again, like we said, it looks like he's evolved into another version of Harden and mm. catching a lot of easy passes for dunks could be up his alley. But I feel like Brooklyn will probably go more down the route of like an Andre Drummond yeah. or someone if he gets bored out. I want to see... Uh, DeMarcus Cousins on the Clippers because I think if you're the Clippers uh, you don't really have anyone to combat the ADs and the Jokic's Lost the Embiid's the Giannis's of the world like Serge Barker is still a very good player mm. and can do it in stints but over a playoff series I wouldn't feel confident um, and one of the Morai twins which one's there Markeith Marcus oh god the Morai yeah okay they call they call the Mor- they call themselves the Morai as a plural um, okay. but yeah anyway low pie better oh, yeah okay. agreed that is a better one uh, Nick Batum doesn't instill me with a lot of confidence as a yeah, versatile yeah. bloke Ivaka Zubac is technically their backup centre or maybe even their starting centre but I feel like Boogie could help the Clippers bolt them- vault themselves into like another tier yeah that makes sense he is rumoured to be very, or have very much interest from the Miami Heat. Very much interest. Lots of interest from the Miami Heat. Uh, and they seem like they're in the box seat to get him at the moment. I don't know how the fit would work playing next to Bam, but he could be someone that plays 20 minutes a game and 
gives you near double-double averages and provides a spark at the big man backup position. So they're probably the teams I would like to see him land on. Uh, is there anyone else you reckon that could be suited to Boogie's skill set? Did you have the Atlanta Hawks last week? Mm. Or am I just making that up? I think you're just making that up. Okay. But that kind of makes sense no, as a backup big. No, I just I just thought it was... Uh, anyway, I was wondering, I wanted to ask you why you had them, if you did. But no, there's no one that really jumps out. I think Boston's the big one, if they can make it work. We didn't have them last week under consideration. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth... I think I pointed out to you on Friday, maybe Thursday, that Boston was out of the playoff picture. Yeah. They're now the sixth seed. So yeah. there's a shitload of closeness, for lack of a better term, between uh, the playoff teams in the East. The Raptors Ten- are in fourth. Well, tangent, that's what I was going to say. The Rap- Raptors are fourth, five games behind the Sixers in number one, but then six games behind are the Charlotte Hornets, who are in ten. So there's only one game separating four through ten in the yeah, Eastern wow. Conference. So, yeah, nothing is over. Um there are a couple of other teams in the Eastern Conference that you could probably draw a line through, though. And I'm going to transition into talking about some of the other coaches in the hot seat. Last mm-hmm. week, we saw Ryan Saunders get fired. And just quickly, very weird hiring by the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Coaches Association, I don't know how else you would frame them, they came out and were like, oh, that wasn't ethical, what the Timberwolves did. Like, they need to have like a serious hiring process and interview a range of candidates from different ethnicities and groups, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Ah, okay. They kind of went on the forefront and was like, yeah, we're not happy with the way they went about it. Sure. Um, if you didn't know, they hired Chris Finch, a, a long time serving assistant. Oh, I thought you meant for Saunders. So I was like, oh, oh I no. missed that. Okay. No, they, well, they were like, yeah, you can fire people. We understand that. Like it's a business, but... They basically hired his replacement within hours to a multi-year deal. Mm. I don't, it might have even been announced like arguably at the same time. Yeah, that is so, strange, actually. Bit unethical there when you think about it. But Chris Finch does seem like he's going to uh, keep the Timberwolves on the bottom, on the right. Yeah, in the bottom. Losers of uh, seven straight for what it's worth. God, Timberwolves only uh, second to Houston Rockets for the longest streak, uh, losing wise. Do you reckon quickly the Rockets coach is going to be in trouble? I hope not. Uh, Me too. He's, he's just inherited Should, such a victim strange, of his circumstance. Yeah, really. same strange situation. I, I think he's actually got a. Um, it's Silas, isn't it? Yeah. I always get it. Which one is it? Stephen. Stephen Silas. Bloody hell. Um, yeah, I reckon Stephen will go right down there. He just needs a little bit of time to sort of make things work. Uh, the coach that jumps to mind, and it was the same last week, and I think they've had a bad week since. Is uh is it Lloyd Pierce down yep. in down in Atlanta? In, in Atlanta, I reckon Atlanta should be doing better. They've got some good vets. They've got an all star. Who are their vets? They've got Rondo. They've got Bogdanovic. Oh, yeah. They've got Gallinari. Like they've got some good vets. I feel like that they're a team that should like Vince Carter was there for a couple of years. True that. But I feel like they should add. Oh, I don't know, even like Trevor Ariza or someone, just for like who I think is not playing in OKC for what it's worth, mm. but. Someone like that for their locker room. Because I agree, I reckon they should be doing much better than the 14 and 19 they're sitting at at the moment. Yeah, and I just, I haven't seen any improvement from, obviously by their record, but even just in the way they're playing. Um, I haven't watched tons of Atlanta basketball, but yeah, I, you expect a lot more from them. I reckon they'll go on the offensive, given the talent that they have on the roster. And they do have some good players that they got, like Bogey and all that. Um I reckon they're going to want to be pushing towards um, the playoffs this season. Yeah, and I agree. don't know if Lloyd Pierce can get it done just the way it's looking. And the other one that jumps to mind, and it's record-based alone, is Dwayne Casey. Um, yeah. You, you, you second, love rest, as, second worst record in the league. The you love him as a coach, and you kind of keep expecting them to just win a little bit more than they are. But their record is horrendous right now. And it's pretty hard to see... You know, Detroit sitting on their hands with such a dumpster fire of a team, uh, of a roster, even though that feels like it's a bit nasty on old Dwayne Casey. I just think that sort of underperformance, you've you got to be really sort of have a hot ass. Well, let me hit you with this one. Do you reckon, because he's, again, another bloke that's kind of been a victim of what's around him. Do you reckon Pistons fire Dwayne Casey, the Hawks should try and hire him? They should, absolutely. Like, yeah. I, I feel like that's the type of... Because Atlanta could go down the route of mm. trying to find like a Lloyd Pierce, a young bloke that can develop with the roster, but I reckon they should go on the front foot and be aggressive and try and get like a proven bloke. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, quickly, just back to the Atlanta Hawks before we move on, because I've got another 
team in my sights as well. Um, three and seven in their last ten. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, the ending of the Cavs Hawks game was pretty bizarre from the fact that like Trey Young had a complete mental lapse defensively and gave up like the game winning dunk and took like a somewhat ill advised shot that gave Cleveland the ball back as well when the game was tied or they were up one. Yeah, they were tied. But, yeah, he hasn't been making good decisions. There's been a lot of buzz around, like, his teammates not really loving him either. Mm. So, A, it's probably a good thing he didn't make All-Star. But, B, Atlanta needs to figure something out because they've, again, got a really talented roster. John Collins' name has been in plenty of trade rumours. I think it'd be a mistake from the Hawks to trade him for what it's worth. Uh, Kobe Altman should be doing his due diligence and seeing if he is available, Mm. though, because he'd be nice on the Cavs. But... Yeah, anyway, I digress. The Washington Wizards are the other team that I have in the hot seat. Ironically, they are 7-3 and three in the last 10. So yeah, I was going to say. seat might not be so hot, but Scott Brooks is probably... like, What are you achieving with Scott Brooks, Westbrook and Beal? Obviously, you have to try and win given the roster that they've got and the age of their stars, but I feel like Scott Brooks probably isn't the long-term answer. So should they kind of cut the cord... Again, it might sever a bit of a relationship thing from Brad Beal's perspective, but... If I'm the Wizards, even if Bill's there, I'm trying to probably sell him for as many possible assets as he can get. Similar to the Deshaun Watson situation in the NFL, doesn't seem like they're kind of trending towards a path of success. Brad Beal has pledged his allegiance to the Wizards, but I would be like, no, nah, we need to start thinking about like succession plan. They don't really have any young, talented blokes. No offense, offense to Rui Hachimura and. Denny Avida, Aviji, uh, Avdia, whatever his yeah. name is. Avdia, but I, think. I feel like they need to almost bottom out in some extent. Well, I totally agree that they need to bottom out. I just don't think it's realistic to think that that's going to happen. I think Scott Brooks has a great connection with both of their stars. Well, he but, coached Westbrook in OKC, yeah, right? he sort yeah. of made OKC the powerhouse that they were at their peak, got them to the finals. Um, I, I actually think it works really well. I think we just need a bit more time into them. We're judging them on thirty games of basketball, um, and I don't, I don't think they're going to achieve much. But I think Scott Brooks would probably be as good a coach to start a new era as anyone, considering he did it in OKC um, really effectively. Mm. I, I reckon that there's every chance that they just keep Scotty Brooks because he's an unreal coach. Let's be honest. Yeah, he is. Proven, and he probably, let's be honest, took Washington on arguably their most like successful stint as a Wizards franchise. Like, I don't know if they actually made the conference finals, but they won a couple. Yeah, the Anton Jameson, Caron Butler, uh, Gilbert Arenas era might rival it. But yeah, like John Wall and Beal won a couple of playoff series with Brooks at the helm. So yeah, yeah, not a lot to compare uh, compare it with. Uh, Quick sports by fry useless stat: Russell Westbrook chalked up his one hundred and fifty sixth career triple-double today. Uh, it's the 46th time he's done it in three quarters, which is pretty fucking impressive. Okay. Stole that stat from uh, another website for what it's worth. But that leaves him only 25 triple-doubles behind Oscar Robertson for the most ever. Yeah. We've got 10 or 11 on the season now. I think it's 10. So probably won't catch him this year. But if you had to put a number on it, because this is going to be on the record, how many triple-doubles do you reckon Westbrook will have by the end of his career? Uh. How old is he? He is 32, maybe? One or two, I would have said. I'll yeah, check, I reckon he'll have 40 to 50 more. So put him at 200. 200 you reckon more. he'll crack the 200? Because that's kind of where I was yeah, looking. I reckon 206. Okay. Uh, I will take the over. I reckon he's going to go 211. Because oh, okay. I just feel like. Even, yeah, that's 45 triple doubles. Maybe I'm. Um, no, you know, I'll take the under. I reckon he gets just over 200, but that's it. Low 200, like 201, 202, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, last coach, because we've kind of got lost a little bit there, but I've also got Luke Walton on the hot seat. Yeah, okay. He's been there for, I think this is his third year now. Sounds about right. Sounds right. Maybe second, but 13 and 20. Got some young pieces down there, but they don't really look like a team that's going to flip the script and make a playoff push. I don't love the... Rashawn Holmes, Hassan Whiteside, centre rotation. No offence to Rashawn Holmes, he's not bad. But Halliburton and Fox are young stars and for the Kings aren't really doing the right thing around them. Buddy Heald has had his roller coaster of like unhappy, happy, got my contract, now I want to be traded, etc. during his Kings tenure. Um, and I feel like 
uh, Luke Walton casualty may be on the way. Uh, Sacramento just feels like that place in Thor Ragnarok where just everything in the universe just like the the universe's junkyard, um, and I just feel like there's just a collection of great random players who are, you know are never that happy with anything, but they're not going anywhere. And oh, I don't know. I think they'll roll with Luke Walton for a, for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, it's a bloody good point, mate. It's it's tough in the West. Let's be honest. The Kings it down is, West, you're right. it's so hard out there, mate. Like they've been um, another team that's been tied in with a couple of trade rumors as well, like Bagley, Harrison Barnes. So who knows what path they'll go down? Yeah. If they do trade a couple of blokes for picks, that might just give Walton a bit more, like a, bit, a longer leash. Cushion, yeah. yeah. Um, we might next week talk about some trades because by the time uh, we listen to the next Sunday sit down, I'm pretty sure it'll be All Star Weekend. Ooh. So. Um, thanks for tuning in to this podcast, another bumper fantasy and uh, NBA one. Thanks for sitting down as well with me, Jalen. Uh, Till next time, chippy win. Chippy win.